at Jared. We know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hey, everyone. Happy uh, NFL Draft Week. Happy NFL Draft Week, indeed. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Syracuse today, and then we'll probably jump into some other draft stuff. Um, for those who haven't really been paying attention, Steve Ishmael, who is very good um, and was a very good college player, um, seems like our best bet to get drafted, and that probably isn't until the seventh round. Seems silly, but these things do happen. Yeah, it's weird considering that he had like a very productive three years before becoming a uh, like star wide receiver last year and one of the most productive players statistically in the country at, at this position. You think that that would have earned him a uh, combine look, and instead he's kind of working off of his Syracuse pro day. Um, so like in years past, we've had you know guys who seemed like at least fair bets to. Uh, get picked in the, the late rounds and didn't go. So hopefully this will just be like the opposite and, and Stephen did a, a shot. But as we've also seen in other situations, like it's not the end of the world. If, uh, if you don't get drafted and have to become a free agent, cause you get to kind of pick your own situation in, in large part. And I assume that that Steve will have like a, a decent amount of, uh, solid opportunities, uh, in that case. But overall, it's a little weird that he isn't getting a little more love, but but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I was confused when he didn't get to the combine. When you look at the numbers he put up and the, and the way he was, you know, kind of a four-year player, one who who showed the the intangibles and showed the the skill set needed to be an NFL wide receiver, or at least be considered an NFL wide receiver. Um, having seen that over four years versus Amba at Atawa, who like, yes, he was a very good player his senior year, but. Um, there really wasn't much to base that off of, you know, in his first few years at Maryland. Uh, it's weird that Etatawa was able to get the invite while Ishmael didn't. Um, some draft boards have him as low as, like, the mid-40s in terms of available wide receivers. I'm very confused by that. Um, and, and, you know, like, as much as this might be some homerism on our part, um, I think you and I both watched enough football um, over the course of our lives. We've watched enough NFL begrudgingly um, over the course of our lives to know, too, like, where where and how skills translate. And while I wouldn't, you know, sit here and preach that Steve Ishmael is going to be some, you know, a pro bowler um, for whatever team picks him, no matter what the round is, I do think that, you know, he his ability to block, his ability to use his hands, his ability to be physical with, with you know, smaller defensive backs, all of those things, even if he's not the fastest, you know, receiver on the field, I think all of those things um, work very well in his favor, um, much more than, you know, a lot of the other guys in this draft class, though admittedly, this is a pretty strong receiver draft class. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's not a lot of guys at the top of the draft. Like, usually we see, like, one or two receivers contend for the top ten. Uh, this year, like, it seems like it's going to be a lot more guys in, like, the second, third, fourth rounds. Um, and I think the main problem for, for Steve is that he isn't, like, an elite speed guy. He doesn't have the best hands. Um, I'd say his blocking is probably the skill that sets him uh, apart. And oh, yeah. while that's while that's probably really good once you get on a team, I don't know that it's going to get you like a ton of, of help in the draft process. But you would think it works that for the, Georgia Tech players. It certainly does. <laughs> I mean, what does something has to? Um, 
But you would you would hope that the confluence of all of his different uh, like above average stills would get him a look. So uh, hopefully he has a good a good result, no matter whether it's getting picked in the uh, third day or or landing with a team where he can get a legitimate opportunity uh, down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean I'm really hoping that he can get picked uh, selfishly because I don't want Syracuse to have a two year drought. Um, as I mentioned on the blog the other day, we haven't had a two year drought since the late 40s. Um, so it would be advantageous for us not to do that again. Although that two-year drought in the 40s ended up leading to, uh, you know, the first kind of golden age of Syracuse football um, within the next few years there under Ben Schwartzwalder. Um, so I don't know, maybe this ends up leading to that too. Um, I pointed this out in the comments as well. You know, it's interesting when you look at how few NFL players have been, have been picked of late, um, the fact that zero Schaefer players um, have been selected for the NFL draft yet. Um, at least Schaefer is the head coach. Um, it's amazing what Favors has been able to do uh, these past couple of years, you know, knocking off two teams, Virginia Tech and Clemson, uh, respectively, who, are, who ha- were loaded with NFL talent, especially Clemson, um, who, you know, seemingly is now just similar to, to the Alabamas and Floridas and Georgias of the world, um, just loaded with, you know, high four and five-star guys, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, I had no idea that that Schaefer stat until I saw it in the article today. Um, is it Schmel? Was he a, in the last? Do you like an early Schaefer class, or was he actually the last Maroon class? I he was remember. the. He was two thousand. He was the first Schaefer class. So okay, he was, so he would be the first Schaefer guy if he goes. Yes. Um, As it was he yeah, the first Schaefer guy? He's the second. I mean, he might have been the second year because. It's 14, 15, he was like the 16. first full Schaefer group. Yeah, first full Schaefer group, not the. He was like... the George McDonald uh, special. Uh, yeah, taking over Florida class. Um, yeah, so that would be a nice thing to break because uh, it is weird because like Marone probably didn't even recruit quite as well as Schaefer in terms of the the rankings and uh, produce a lot of NFL talent. Obviously, Chandler Jones was here before Marone got here, but we had like that whole run of uh, of you know, pretty high draft picks in what, two or three years in a row where we had first round picks despite being, you know, not a you know, great program. Yeah. Jones, um, Pugh, I mean, Bromley was a, was a second day guy unexpectedly sprawl. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and, uh, you know, we produced like a decent amount of, uh, like solid NFL players from that, from that run. And now it's just been kind of a, aside from Riley Ditson a couple of years ago. Um, and Cam Lynch, I think is kind of held, you know, caught on with the Rams. I believe he's still with, with LA. Yep. Um, but yeah, aside from that, it's been hard. It's been tough to come by. So hopefully, we can break that and start to, uh, you know, give ourselves something to sell on the recruiting trail at least. Yeah, would be very nice there. I think if it's not Ishmael, I mean, some people are saying, you know, don't sleep on someone like Jordan Martin or maybe Zaire Franklin. Um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think that Martin, there, there's clearly results there, um, and you can see the the precipitous drop off for the defense after he was done at the safety spot. Um, how much you know that past defense kind of fell off a cliff. Obviously, Zaire um, showed a lot of things. I think we've talked about this with Zaire Franklin for a while. Like The numbers he put up at Pro Day um, should give him more looks than he would have gotten otherwise uh, without a combine invite, but um, it's tough to put a number on you know things like leadership and character. Um, and and you know, while NFL GMs might talk about it a lot and you might hear it you know, uh, bandied about as a, as a real kind of meaningful stat during draft day because that's how NFL scouts work, um, doesn't always make up for you know the fact that like Zaire was a very good player he was a guy who was kind of put in an unenviable position um, of needing to halfway through his career kind of pivot to a different style of play Um, he was on some very bad defenses not by his own fault 
Um, so I, I think a lot of teams are going to have a lot of trouble evaluating him, but uh, that probably means he doesn't get picked, but it doesn't mean that he's not worth a look and he's not worth, um, you know, getting to some, some off-season workouts and potentially, you know, working his way onto a team at some point. Yeah, I think um, he's another guy who isn't going to grade out as like an elite athlete, but he obviously puts in really strong weight room work based on his uh, his pro day results would have been like near the top of uh, the linebacking group at the combine uh, in a couple different spots, and the fact that he's a three year captain over the uh, you know two coaching staff. So if an NFL team does their due diligence and reaches out to either Schaefer or Babers or both, like he's going to get uh, you know really really high plaudits there. Um, so I think that's a guy that teams will definitely be interested to bring in even if he doesn't go uh in the draft i, I would be shocked if he didn't have uh an nfl home you know a couple hours after the draft yeah i mean if nfl gms are going to do stupid things like you know knock rosen and, and mayfield and others for quote-unquote character issues i don't know how you couldn't give franklin a boost for, for the lack thereof yeah i mean if, if you're gonna do like this whole like football has to be everything uh, thing that like apparently is hurting Josh Rosen, then Zaire Franklin should be like a third round pick um, because like the guy does literally everything that a, an NFL team could ask for. Uh, so hopefully, obviously I don't think that will be the case. I think he'll probably go undrafted, but uh, you know, hopefully he'll get a fair shot as well. Um, and hopefully we have a couple of guys like that. Uh, Martin, you see brought up, which it's going to be tough to see, you know, lost out in some playing time this year due to injury, but he has some interesting physical tools and obviously, you know, showed it on tape when he was playing, um, and he has, you know, other, other, you know, from his time before he was at Syracuse, uh, he can be evaluated on as well. So there's, uh, there's definitely a couple guys who, you know, we'll be able to, to, to read more into when we figure out where they're going. It's tough when, uh, they're not projected to be drafted because then they could end up literally anywhere. It doesn't really necessarily, uh, based on need at that point, but, um, I'm excited to see where they, where they slot in, even if they are free agents, uh, it'll be fun to project. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, I'm probably going to start drafting up some very small write-ups just around free agent signings since that's usually, well, at least the last couple of years, that's what we've been preparing for. I know I didn't really expect Riley Dixon to get drafted a couple of years ago, didn't have anything written up uh, when he was picked by Denver, so had to kind of scramble to put something together. This year, I'm a little bit more confident. Um, not that I, I was really glad Dixon was picked that year. I'm really glad he was traded to my team now. I would seriously consider buying a punter jersey for the first time in my life um, now that Riley is on the Giants. But alas, that probably won't happen. Um, but yeah, should be fun. We'll, we'll kind of have an open thread during the, uh, during the weekend for those who want to follow along and, uh, and you know again, root for some Syracuse players to be chosen. So hope you, uh, hope you join us for that. Are you saying you did not have a Brad Wing jersey? I definitely did not have a Brad Wing jersey, though I do appreciate the antics of Brad Wing. Fair enough. I, I, I was joking in the, the Dixon post on the site that I wish he could wear number 44, because then if he did, I would absolutely buy that jersey. Oh, that'd be so good. Do, we, do the Giants <laughs> have a 44? Um, they might. I know the stupid like NFL numbers rules, I think, make it so that it has to be like a running back or something stupid. I always forget the NFL has those like arcane uh, numbers rules when like college does not, which it really doesn't make any sense. Although college is at least a little bit more. Uh, well, Mark Herzlick, eh, that sucks. Mark Herzlick is number 44. Oh, yeah, he's definitely not going to get it then. No, but I mean, it kind of sucks that BC guys were number 44. Ew. 
I guess it's hard to root against Mark Herzlick. Yeah, but... I'm not going to root against Mark Herzlick. It's fine. <laughs> that's that's your really dedicating to the rivalry that like isn't nearly enough. No, it's not. Um, but while we're here talking about the draft, Dan, um, figured we would chat through not necessarily a mock draft, but just some things that people have been talking about with this year's draft, um, saying which things make sense, which things are a little stupid. I'm sure that there are plenty of crossover fans between the NFL and college football, and especially Syracuse football here. I'm not sure why people can tolerate the NFL and college football, but can't tolerate college basketball and the NBA. Um, whatever. I'm not here to judge, I guess. I mean, I like the NFL. I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger college football fan, but I, I, I do enjoy the NFL, although I will say I used to get like really, really excited about the draft, and now it's just it's so... It's, it's a hub for bad takes. It's just so, it's it's basically like where most bad takes like gestate at this point, and then they just kind of go from there into the NFL careers of these players. Um, so it can be a little, I'm gonna, it's a little tiresome. And it I'm, also permeates I'm, the fan, it also permeates the national fan bases too, to the point where like, you know, you have your armchair GMs, guys who don't really know much about talent evaluation or whatever, and not to say that you and I are experts, but to say that people who, who watch primarily the NFL and spend too much time caring about what, what announcers are saying during draft day, then those lazy narratives become the rule instead of the exception. Yeah. I'm just really tired of, like, mostly the stuff around the quarterbacks and, and primarily Baker Mayfield, uh, Josh Rosen, and uh, Lamar Jackson. And I just want them on teams so that we can figure out if they'll be good on those teams because right now, like, each of those players have such just lady stuff crafted around them and it's all different at least uh it's not just like three of the same thing but um it's just exhausting yeah i'd have to agree there and uh, speaking of exhausting um looking first and foremost it seems like everybody's pretty sold on cleveland taking josh allen i think that's i don't know i still see a lot of darnold too really yeah I, i've seen a lot of both um if they take darnold i'm fine with it like i, I just like it can't be Allen. Like, like I, I, I was against Allen, not because I don't like him as a player, but his numbers and, and work really wasn't that great. It's mostly because he's tall um, and he has, you know, some decent arm strength. I just, he's not the number one passer in this draft. And, like, I don't know if you read Bill Connolly's, like, extensive look at, like, kind of what college can tell you about pro production. And, like, Allen doesn't really project to be like a superstar and really none of these guys do, but Allen in particular doesn't. Yeah. It's just like, I get that he has physical tools and I think that's great when you're picking a guy in like the fifth round and be like, Oh, no one saw this coming. And it just seems like we've kind of, we, we've taken a player that should have been like a late round project pick. And we've, uh, we're just like assuming that he's going to be like the best possible version of himself. And I think it could end up just being a disservice to him. Yeah. Um, it's just really hard to envision a player who was not bad, but like this average at the NFL level um, or at the uh, college level at uh, against, you know, relatively weak opponents on like, obviously he didn't have like a ton of talent with him at Wyoming, but it wasn't a bad Wyoming team. It was like a pretty solid bowl team. And he was like maybe the third or fourth best quarterback in his own conference. Um, so it's just hard to like get super excited about him as a first overall pick and then you throw in, you're like, oh, it's because he can throw the ball, like, what, like, just 70 yards. And that's great. But that's just, like, not a thing that is uh, a necessary, like, NFL skill no. all that often. 
So yeah, I, I have I have concerns about all uh, five or even six if you are in the apparently Mason Rudolph is now a, a possible first round pick. Um, yeah, I, I have uh, like deep concerns about all of them. Um, I don't think any of them is a slam dunk, but because this is just now a quarterback draft this year for one reason or another. Um, Despite the fact that the five like, most talented players are not quarterbacks. Yeah, and there's a lot of really good ones like. Um, the Packers, who definitively do not need a quarterback, no matter what Colin Coward will tell you every day on his radio, um, is, you know, are reportedly now considering moving up. And, like, the fact that we could, like, just get our get our way into, like, a, a Bradley Chubb or a, a Derwin James uh, because we don't need a quarterback. And if you get a high pitch, then you're going to get, like, an inflated uh, talent at, like, in the top ten. Like that's so exciting for me, and it's it's like oh great because we have our our quarterback stuff handled. We don't have to worry about this like crazy roulette that's going on this season. Yeah, uh, as a fan of a team that does technically need a quarterback um, soon ish, so why not this year? Um, I'm very worried about this draft. I kind of hope we trade back, and then kind of go from there. Because I'll be honest, I don't really think Saquon Barkley is worth the second pick overall either. That's not to say that Barkley's a bad player, that he'll be a bad running back in the NFL. But it's to say that picking this high on a running back is pretty dumb. Uh, Bill Connolly also had an article about that. Um, and uh, not that I'm all in on everything Bill's ever said, but um, the work was done here to show that, that he's not even the best running back value-wise um, like Giants would be better off if they really want a running back, trade back, pick up some more picks, um, and then potentially you know draft a guy like Darius Geis, um, who could potentially give you similar results uh, and 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 get and net you some more selections in the process. Yeah, uh, I, the Barkley thing's interesting to me because I actually heard I, I was with you for a long time, and I think I still am. Um, I, the, the most compelling argument to taking Barkley with like the second, the first or second or fourth or whatever pick, uh, and I forgot what I was listening to, uh, some NFL podcast, I, they all blend together at this point, um, basically said that the idea on a, uh, from a GM perspective is to just find the most talented uh, playmakers and find ways to get the balls in their hands. And I, I actually like that a lot um, from like a perspective of a forward-thinking uh, uh, football person. The problem is there are so few forward-thinking football people at the NFL level that I don't actually think that that's how he would be used. Right. Like, I, at this point, I think the only the only teams I would trust to put that into practice are probably the Rams, the Patriots, the Eagles, and that's it. <laughs> like, that's my list of, of, of teams, and maybe the Titans, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, like the, well, like the it's, new it's... the new Titans coaching staff, not the old one. Okay, I, I, I well, would say we'll like yeah, uh, I would say like out of, out of the current coaching staffs, I would say those are the four that that I would actually think would would embrace something like that. So like that and that and knowing what I know about the Giants, even with you know management changes and all that, I'm still very very concerned uh, that drafting Barkley at number two is a real big waste. Um, not because Barkley's not worth it, not because Barkley can't manage and can't be a potential pro bowler. I think all of those things are true. Um, but, but I do think that making him the number two overall pick when there's so many 
large needs for 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 this team and again i'm talking from a place of bias obviously uh so many large needs for this team so many areas that we could help ourselves out even more if we trade back even if we traded back a couple um potentially got chubb who knows like i i just think that barkley just seems like a, a waste here when we could we could get somebody comparable um and, and again pick up some picks in the process yeah like, if you told me that a team was going to, like, just use Barkley as uh, an offensive weapon and just find the best way to do that, I'd be all in on him being that high pick. The problem is, if you're picking a running back at number two, I imagine, like, 85% of NFL teams are going to say, okay, he's going to carry the ball 25 times. And if you look at his numbers at Penn State, that was just never what he did. Like, I don't think he carried the ball more than, like, 19 or 20 times in a game. No, um, and, like, he was a home he was a home run guy who, who took a lot of risks with a lot of reward. And, like, the Giants have a garbage offensive line. Especially now that we yeah. don't have Pew anymore. Like, so, like, even if he is that player, it, we, you're not going to see it in year one because we don't have the... Like, I mean, yes, we, we, we made a big signing in Nate Soldier. That's great. But, like, the Giants don't have the, the, the means to, to protect him um, on the offensive line. Probably from a scheme perspective. The receiver position seems like it's a mess now. Um, so yeah, I, I think that putting Barkley in that that in the position to fail, um, just just don't love it. I'd rather we again trade it back, got Bradley Chubb, traded back even further, drafted a guy like Darius Geis. Uh, it just seems like 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 many other players here, especially as you know, um, college football gets so much more system driven. You need the right you need the right coach and the right scheme, um, and and the right kind of belief system to really utilize a player's talents correctly. And I'm not sure that, that what the Giants have right now or, or, or in the near future is going to do that with Barkley. Right. And it's not like, it's not like you know, the Ezekiel Elliott situation where you, you pick him and you already have like a top two or three offensive line built and ready to plug him in. So definitely uh, not the same thing. But I do think like he probably deserves to go in the top 10 somewhere and hopefully it's to a team that, you know, can use him and he can be exciting right away. And uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but we'll find out. Um, if it, I, I will say the quarterback stuff has made this draft super intriguing. Yeah, I could see a ton of trades. I could see a lot of teams moving around. I mean, there's just so many great defensive players here. Um, you know, a guy like Quentin Nelson, like people don't usually take guards super early, but he's a guard that could go in the top 10. Um, I'm curious to see where Darnold goes. Um, I know you and I have talked about this a little bit before. I think some team is going to be the beneficiary of NFL scout stupidity when it comes to Josh Rosen. Um, you know, you look at Darnold. Darnold was able to do similar things to Rosen, but with but with an extremely good team around him. While Rosen got the absolute most he could have gotten out of the situation around him. So that's where I'm willing to go, Rosen. Um, I understand that, that not everybody's in the same boat. I think those guys, I don't think you can go wrong with either. I just don't know what there's, I don't think, I don't think either has a necessarily higher ceiling than the other one. Um, I, to be honest, wouldn't mind if the Giants aren't going to draft a quarterback early. Um, at one point, like I, I would have loved to see the Giants trade back a little bit, draft a guy like Geis but then package some picks to move into the end of the first and take a guy like Lamar Jackson. Um, not that the Giants would ever do that. Even with a change in, in GM and coach, I still think that the Giants are a little too conservative for their own good um, and wouldn't necessarily take the risk on Jackson. Um, I could see a number of teams you know, in the middle of this draft 
um, taking Jackson and, and, and buying into him as a quarterback a team like Arizona. Um, maybe the Chargers take a flyer. I mean, I don't think Buffalo would do it. Um, I'm trying to think who else here. The Saints maybe could take a flyer. Jacksonville maybe if he falls that far, though I really think that Will Hernandez is probably their guy. If Jackson can get through the first half of, of, of this draft, uh, well, first round, I do hope that the Giants find some way to get themselves back into like the mid-20s um, to pick them because there's a, there are very few teams in the back half of this draft, uh, back half of this first round, that need um, a, a passer. Yeah, that's definitely – Jackson definitely seemed like uh... – you know, I had someone's gonna take a flyer on. I, I've seen. I think the Ravens are the ones that are getting connected to him most. And man, the Ravens have just been so boring offensively. I, I kind of hope that it's not the case. Although, at the same time, if it if it brings us a step closer to getting Joe Flacco out of our lives, that might be a win. Um, <laughs> I do hope he get he lands on a team that's gonna be open minded and commit to like making him work at quarterback and not like trying to plug him into their you know stupid super conservative system because that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I uh, again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. A lot, a lot of this is scheme. I mean, you look at um, Jared Goff. In year one, they tried to make Jared Goff a pro-style quarterback in a, like when he was a spread guy. In year two, they embraced the spread. They embraced spread principles. Look what happened. Marcus Mariota, same deal. Like, teams need to start responding to the, NFL, to the college football um, trends and, and where they're getting these guys from. You can't avoid spread quarterbacks anymore. You can't avoid spread wide receivers. Um, y- you have to be able to, le- you have to understand the talent you're getting and lean into them a little bit more um, than you used to. And, and that's where, yeah, like I really do hope that, you know, a team like Arizona seems like a fun place for Lamar Jackson, to be honest. Um, doesn't really have to change anything about his brand. Uh, can wear the same exact clothes, really, if he wants. Um, I don't think anyone would be able to tell the difference other than the fact that one bird has teeth and the other doesn't. And one of those is real and the other isn't, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I think Arizona would be a fun place for him. Um, there's a lot of other places that like you can see the coaching staff maybe be able to to lean into that. I think there's a lot of places, too, that wouldn't. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see where he ends up just because, again, I, I know he's going to end up at a team he doesn't belong in, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that, that, that I'm, I'm very wrong and, and that somehow a team has the foresight to say, this is a great player, but let's use him like the great player he is instead of like the great player we might want him to be or our, our idiot fan base might want him to be. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, with the Cardinals, it's almost a shame that uh, Bruce Arians is not coaching the team anymore because he was like one of the guys that I trust with quarterbacks a lot. And uh, although I'm sure he's still kind of involved in some capacity. Yeah, I- I'm sure he is. And I'm, I'm hoping, again, ho- hoping that that's the case for Lamar. Or again, we'll, we'll see where he ends up. I'm, I'm very curious. I see that one mock draft has Darius Geis going to the Eagles. I would not like to see that just because I hate the Eagles and they don't deserve any more nice things. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect that you would want uh, want them to do anything else. No. <laughs> um, Dan's about halftime. Why, uh, why don't we talk a little beer? Cool. Um, I had a bunch of uh, Road to and Double IPA from Two Roads. I think I had a week or two ago as well. Um, just really strong double IPA, but quite drinkable. Uh, so enjoy that. Uh, and then I think the one new thing I had was from Raven Brewing Company, which I think is in this area somewhere. Um, yeah, it's in Brooklyn. Uh, I have not been there. 
Um, I had their white IPA, which I think was was tasty. Um, but I like my white IPAs to be a little more balanced, and this was definitely drank more like a, a regular white. Um, didn't have as much of the hoppiness as I as I looked for, but uh, wasn't bad. Um, so that's all I really have to report on this week. Yeah, I had kind of a light, not light in terms of consumption, just a light in terms of variety week. Um, I got a growler of uh, what used to be Hop Tonic IPA, now Smog City IPA from Smog City. I also had picked up a six-pack of Firestone Walkers, uh, Firestone Lager. It's a really good kind of, you know, backyard barbecue, summer drinking uh, type beer, only 4.5%. Uh, that was all I had all weekend. Just uh, just kind of sat on those two beers. So this is this is one of the shorter segments we've ever done here. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about beers that we talk about all the time, but uh, I don't know who that benefits. Uh, no one. Um, although... Soon enough, I'll have plenty more to talk about. I uh, bought my tickets for LA Beer Week's uh, kickoff event for June. So not right next door, but coming up. That'll be, that should Very be nice. a bit of an extravaganza. Looking forward to, to all, the, uh, all the breweries from around LA and around Southern California that should be there. Nice. I'll be in, uh, I'll be in Atlanta next week. And, uh, oh, the one other thing I did have, I had a... Um, there was the, the MLB had a, their, uh, like basically a food festival in New York city last weekend where they had food from all, every different team. And they had, uh, apparently the nationals of all teams have a, a signature brew, which I forgot to check in on, into, um, the earned run ale. Huh. I'm not sure who even makes it. I assume it's a, a, a brewery down there, a uh, devil's backbone. Oh yeah. Which is, I assume a DC area. I want to say they're Virginia-ish. That makes sense. It's interesting gear they have there. Of course, it's just like, of course they're owned by Anheuser Busch. Oh, uh, that doesn't surprise me. They they sponsored the uh, event, so yeah, makes sense. But it was fun. It was a fine pale ale. Nothing nothing super crazy, but um, it was nice that it's something different. Uh, so yeah, that was my other one. Fair enough. Um, Dan, before we get into some lacrosse talk. If you had to commit to any player, assuming the Packers don't trade their 14th pick, who do you want them to select? If we stick it at 15, which uh, who knows at this point, considering the reports that the Packers are looking to move up for the first time in forever, um, I think a lot, one of the, the names I've seen a lot is uh, Alabama's Mika Fitzpatrick, um, who's been one of the better defensive bats in college football for the last couple of years. Um, I, I definitely take him. Uh, I think Green Bay needs to rebuild its defense. Um, I think they've made some questionable moves and letting some guys go there. Um, and he's been, again, like I, I'll usually trust a, an Alabama star defensive player, and he's he's definitely one of those. So um, I think he'd definitely be a, a solid immediate add. That's a fair point. I, I've seen Fitzpatrick's name. I've seen Marcus Davenport's name. Uh, I've seen Harold Landry's name. All, all those guys seem to be good defensive help for, for Green Bay. Yeah, and then if they move up, I, I think a lot of people are convinced it's uh, Derwin James is the target, which would also be very exciting. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think James is a guy who I wouldn't mind if the Giants decided to move down to get. Uh, not that we, like, I mean, safety's not the worst position for us by far, but, you know, I think Derwin James is one of the best um, players in this draft, and I think it'd be great for any, <laughs> great addition for any team. So, especially in a passing league, you want a guy who can cover over the top. So somebody at the safety spot is uh, is necessary, and, and, and a guy like James, who you know really is a superstar um, type of player, I, I would I definitely want on my team. 
Yeah, I think I think James like you could pretty much plug in to to any any team, and he he's just so versatile in defensive backfield and can come up and play at the line. He just did so many things at Florida State. Um, I, I'd find a hard I find it hard to believe that a team couldn't use a player like that. Totally. Uh, so I guess pivoting away from NFL draft talk, um, little little bracketology bubble watch for uh, for Syracuse men's lacrosse. Dan, are you worried about the draw that we have for the ACC tournament? I am not too thrilled. Um, despite the fact that we're the number one seed in the ACC, it's not like we got there by some like tour de force. Um, the four seed is Virginia. The ACC tournament is conveniently uh, being played at Charlottesville. So basically we're on the road. Um, despite being the one seed, this seems like a recipe for disaster. However, we did come back and beat Virginia on the road um, just about a month ago. Yeah, the ACC lacrosse league is is what it is, and it's it's hard to get super excited about a draw because I mean, looking at the field, like you were either going to play them, Duke, or, or Notre Dame. Um, I don't know. I guess you kind of pick your poison. Now playing in Charlottesville is kind of ridiculous. Like if if we're going to call it what it is, if we're going to play these things on a on a university uh, at a campus, which makes sense considering we've done the whole like thing in Chester. We did that weird like couple years in uh, Kennesaw, which didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I'm fine playing it at campus, but why don't we just decide that we're going to play it in uh, the number one seeds campus? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I get why they don't do campus sites, but it, because just for travel purposes. But at the same time, like, is anyone really traveling for this like garbage R- RPI booster tournament anyway? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think people traveled to Tennessee or Chester really. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm sure some people were in the Philly area just because they're already there. But like, right. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And if you're just going to put it in Charlottesville, then, like, you know, it's kind of a pretty big advantage to, to one team that was definitely not guaranteed to be uh, guaranteed to be a one seed by any stretch. Yeah, and, I mean, honestly, like, if they're going to put it in that general area, like, you could easily have staged it in D.C. You could have staged it, you know, in Baltimore. There, There's other ways that you could have handled it being near Virginia. Um, you know, even if you didn't want to put a game in Syracuse, you could have put it in Buffalo. You could have put it in a game in New Jersey. Like, there, there's all kinds of ways they could have done this. Um, and they just, even even in North Carolina, you could do Charlotte. You could do Indianapolis instead of Notre Dame. Like, th- th- there are enough options here, and instead they're just, like, choosing the most head-scratching ones. Um, I don't think it's necessarily fair that Syracuse has to be on the road as a one seed against a, team, a Virginia team that is much better um, then I think people give them credit for. Uh, the wins aren't, like, amazing. I mean, they beat Loyola, they beat North Carolina, Vermont's their other, like, kind of notable win. They have a, you know, number nine RPI. So all of these things do look in their favor. I know SU has, probably among all the potential at-large teams, has probably the, lar- probably the largest collection of big wins. Unfortunately, they're all in the ACC, though, and they're all by, like, a goal or two. So that, that's obviously where I'm worried. If SU can beat Virginia, I think we're in, um, as I covered in today's kind of bubble watch post. If we lose, um, things get very, very dicey very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's always the the uh, concern with the lacrosse tournament as, as currently constructed. It, it's as there are more teams uh, that vie for it um, and the talent pool across the country expands. Um, it's become a very, it's become a pretty challenging tournament to crack if you're at all like a fringe team. Um, so I think the Syracuse team has proven a lot. I think it's a, it's a pretty good team. And obviously running through the ACC undefeated is, is a feat. But 
Uh, there's definitely no guarantee that we're just going to like march our way to the the, the tournament overall. I, I I have faith that they will find a way to beat Virginia, and I think that should be enough. But hopefully, this doesn't become a case for the ACC tournament, which, as we bring up every year, is pretty uh, almost transparently designed just to flat out help our our teams. Doesn't mm-hmm. become a thing where it ends up hurting us. Yeah, and I mean, and I guess in some ways, the the, the counterpoint to all of this is. If Syracuse can just take care of business during the season, I mean, you know, you don't get blown out by Cornell, you don't get blown out by Albany, like, then you don't have to worry about this. If you just pick up any, if SU had picked up any of the big potential non-conference wins, those two, Hopkins, like, grab any of them and you're in at this point. Like, because know that the the numbers record is not going to look great right now, no matter what happens, even if we win, you know, even if we win the ACC and beat Colgate, yes, we're 10 and 5, but... Those five losses don't look all that awesome. Um, I mean, they're all against quality teams, though. That's the that that that's kind of the the formula for Syracuse now in the ACC is like, look at us. We've got you know a minimum of five games against ACC competition every year. The four regular season games plus one ACC tournament game, um, and then we're gonna play you know your traditional powers at this point. Teams like um, you know Hopkins. Uh, Albany in many cases, Cornell, like we're going to play all those guys too. So strength of schedule um, is going to help us out a ton. But yeah, obviously the uh, you still have to get the work done. And, and we're, we're we're learning here this year, and and as we've learned in the past, that don't really want to don't really want to play it like this. Um, and because and, right now, like people have us kind of as the in terms of the fluid at large teams, like teams that aren't locked in, we're number one right now, but. Um, in terms of what can be or could be, uh, you know, in the coming week or two, things do shift considerably. Again, if SU uh, loses this game to the to the Hoos, yeah, hopefully we don't have to deal with it. But uh, it is definitely we're definitely on the edge, and I think the the women's team that they're also like kind of floating in the in the same area, right? They are. They're actually further down the list, however. Uh, yeah, they, they are not. I saw the... today they were like pro- projected to be an unseated team, which is a, a weird thing for our women's program, although, like, we've been so good for so long that it's, it's hard to get, like, super worked up. Yeah, I mean, where I think the women's team has a tough road ahead because they went 1-6 and six in the ACC. That's not great. Um, they haven't really... I mean, they didn't beat any of the good teams in the ACC. They do have quality wins out of conference. Um, their biggest challenge now is that they have to face North Carolina in the first round of the ACC tournament. Um, in the in the women's league, there's eight teams that play the sport, so it's not just this you know transparent RPI grab. Um, in that case, it's an actual league tournament that actually holds some some weight and some merit um, and has an automatic qualifier attached to it. So uh, I think it's going to be tough if you start to see a couple top teams go down in other leagues. Um, if there's any bid stealing, because bid stealing does happen a little bit more frequently there than you ever see in the men's game. I, I think they're going to really be sweating it out. Um, and unfortunately, depending on what happens elsewhere, um, kind of those regional bracketing um, rules that, that, that women's lacrosse and other sports allow themselves to be governed by, um, men's lacrosse less so, um, could end up knocking them out um, just by way of needing another you know, travel partner or something like that. You know, it's been a while since we've had real concerns about making either tournament. So uh, hopefully we'll have our, our normal year where both teams are playing into deep May and we can get, you know, really stressed out uh, more often rather than, you know, having a, a boring last couple of months of the 
Syracuse academic season uh, calendar here. Yeah, let's do that. Um, softball team's not doing too bad, but I don't think they're going to be a tournament team. Who knows? Um, wraps up a little bit as we come back around to men's lacrosse. Um, right now, looking at bracketology that I put together earlier today, um, there are... I've got five, I got eight locks so far. Um, Albany, Denver, Maryland, Yale, Loyola, Duke, Cornell, and Hopkins. Um, I think those are probably your top eight seeds. I think SU is the first um, kind of unseeded team, and they'd have to face Cornell um, in the figurative 8-9 game. That's not a great draw for us, admittedly. Um, and I could see us falling in that one pretty easily especially because we already lost to Cornell this year and we lost to Cornell at Cornell. Um, as I also mentioned in the article, though, if Syracuse can beat Virginia and Notre Dame, if Notre Dame knocks off Duke, um, I think SU can play themselves up to a 7 or a 6. Um, if SU is able to beat um, Virginia and Duke, I think SU pulls themselves into maybe a 5 or a 6 seed. Um, and obviously, you know, the, you want to be as high up as possible because that means you're going to be facing, you know, some of the not dregs necessarily, but some of the the less challenging squads. You know your your UMass, Quinnipiac, Richmond, maybe you know some of the larges like Villanova, um, or or I mean Rutgers, Bucknell teams like that. Granted, like none of these teams are really that easy. If you look over the record, you look over the RPI numbers this year. Um, it's a pretty stacked group. I mean the fact that like Rutgers could be a best case scenario for you as like a four or five seed is nuts when Rutgers is like a top 10 team right now. I think doing whatever we can to get that first round uh, home game and not having to face Cornell would be optimal. <laughs> Based yeah. on what that game looked like. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I think, think both of those things would be great. I think if we get the home game, um, we're not facing Cornell. Just because I think, yeah. I think Cornell is right now a top. I think right now Cornell's number eight. Uh, if I had to rank them. Uh, and, and I think, yeah, if SU gets into that top eight, I think that's by way of, you know, knocking Cornell probably down a couple lines. But if Cornell's able to beat Yale, Cornell could also knock themselves up a line or so. Um, I think Yale is, is right now the Ivy League favorite, um, but, but not so far ahead of Big Red where they, uh, where they can't falter. Yeah, so there's, there's uh, I mean, there's a lot to be sorted out. It's actually probably the most interesting AC. I mean, no. Uh, I guess it was a couple years ago when the ACC tournament basically like got us in. Didn't we win it a couple years ago when we were kind of on the bubble? We did that, and we won the Big East tournament. Um, that one, too. That when we definitely year, should not have. Yeah, when we definitely should not have been in the tournament. Yeah, um, the final year of the Big East, I think, is when that happened. Yeah. We beat Nova in the final, I think. Yeah, we uh, we won the Big East in 2012 and 2013, um, and then we've won this tournament twice already since we've been there so this would be the fifth time in the last like i think seven years that we've won our conference considering we weren't in a conference for much of our existence until recently yeah and uh didn't we bit i think we won every biggest tournament we were in right we did there were only two and we won them both fittingly yep <laughs> and 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 these acc schools say that we never went in the postseason in, in the conference tournament we've been doing just fine i think <laughs> Yeah, we've we've been winning things, just just not in men's basketball. And we've won some things there too, just not in the ACC tournament. No, in other not tournaments. In Greensboro. <laughs> I guess if it's not in Greensboro, it doesn't count. No, it doesn't actually. Um, and, and things in Greensboro actually count double as well. Um, that's how. That, that's why Duke and UNC and, and at some point in their 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 existences, NC State, um, 
would always get double credit and be rewarded with prestige points, which is a, a form of noons bucks if you're in North Carolina. Um, they'd get those extra prestige points because because they were worth double in Greensboro. It was, it was not a level of difficulty thing. It was it was more a level of you know just just honor that that you got to compete for. I mean, everything just feels more prestigious when you're in the city-ish town of Greensboro. <laughs> and the high school gymnasium-ish arena of Greensboro. Yes. It, it's a big high school gymnasium. I know it is. It actually is. I'm just being facetious. It, it, the dose of, like, 1983, uh, I don't know what happened that year. It just feels like that year when you're in there. Um, <laughs> really, really just, you feel them. You feel the chill in your bones. You do. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get some hate for this. Don't really care. Uh, <laughs> That's what we're here for. I know, I know. Um, Dan, before we go, A, in your heart of hearts, do you think that a Syracuse player gets selected in the NFL draft? And B, uh, where do you think Syracuse ends up seeding-wise in, uh, in the men's uh, lacrosse tournament? So I will say no in the NFL draft. Uh, I think that we will have the three guys we talked about earlier, maybe four. I'll say four guys will be solidly uh invited to training camp uh, as undrafted free agents i think we'll have uh ishmael franklin uh bennett and um martin. who would we say before jordan yeah martin. jordan martin um i think they'll all be uh so, like pretty quick uh in terms of the free agents but i don't think anyone will actually be drafted and then i will say that syracuse ends up pulling out i don't think they'll win the acc tournament i think they'll win the first game and I think they'll they'll do enough to pull out the eight seed. I agree with you on the second one. Um, on the first one, I think Ishmael gets drafted, but like very very late, um, like like super late. Um, and then I think we end up with five players invited to camp. I think Irv Phillips finds himself an invite as well. Yeah, I, I could see Irv being invited later. I think like for those four guys will be invited yeah, like real very quick. quickly. Yeah. I bet. Um. And I think Irv will definitely find a spot because, like, he was just too productive. Um, too and fast, he's, he's too a unique productive. player. I think someone will want to get a look at him. Probably the Patriots. He'd, he'd be the Patriot. <laughs> he's from Connecticut. Where, where do you think Steve goes? He is from, yes. He's a uh, West Haven. Uh, I think he's West Haven. Um, where, what, 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 out of the 32 teams in the seventh round, where do you project that Steve Ishmael gets picked? Well, let me look up the seventh round draft order. Not that this really matters. I mean, by that point in this stupid thing, <laughs> like, people just get, picks just get bounced all over. The but if I'm looking at the current seventh round, um, so we get up to 256, I feel like, I feel like I could see Steve in Arizona. Okay. So that's 254. I thought you were going to go for 244. I don't know what team that is, but. That, that is all, that is the Atlanta. So if we're if we're looking at a place that that might need a wide receiver, if Julio Jones decides he's never speaking to them again, yeah, which seems like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden he's beefing with the the. I mean, he's been so quiet like his entire NFL career, and all now he hates his team. I mean, if you went through twenty eight to three, I think you would too. That's fair. That that's got to be pretty tough. <laughs> anyway, um, Dan, anything else before we sign off this week? No, looking forward to uh, watching at least part of the draft and then probably getting bored of it. And uh, and then, you know, hopefully lacrosse, we can continue to uh, have things to talk about for a couple more weeks. Agreed, agreed. Game is on Friday, uh, by the way, folks, for those who were um, 
looking for where to find it. That one's on ESPNU. I believe the women's team is Thursday, which would be today probably for those listening. Um, it is Thursday. Yep. SU plays on Thursday. They're the third game out of four. Um, so, yeah, be sure to tune into both of those. Hopefully, SU can, can lock down some NCAA tournament uh, bids um, by way of just padding their resumes this weekend. That'd be good. Cool. Uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And go Orange. Go Orange. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.